Hey everybody, it's Jason Madden. Thanks again for listening to the Doing the Thing podcast. This episode is more of a solo venture, uh, meaning that Phil wasn't able to join us. Um, but that's okay because we're experimenting uh, a little bit with doing some solo collaborations. And you know, you, you've probably heard some of our lightning rounds where we have a topic, we discuss it for just a couple minutes and not drag it on. Um, this, this particular episode, I was able to collaborate with Justin Clark from the Veterans Referring Veterans Group. Uh, this is also going to be, they also call that the VRV, but this, uh, this episode will also be on their podcast. So it was kind of a dual effort here. Uh, looking forward to you discovering a little bit more about the VRV. Uh, they're really interesting concept. Uh, they, they do a collaboration with veteran owned businesses. If you check out their site, veteransreferringveterans.com, you'll see a, a, a large listing of veteran owned businesses. And it's just helping them come to light and bringing them into in front of the consumer and also providing a really nice network, uh, kind of like you would get from, I don't know, maybe a Chamber of Commerce or BNI, but more virtual and nationwide rather than just your local community. It's more so that, that veteran community. So we had some really interesting con- uh, conversations about that, and we had some more conversations about what's going on right now. Uh, with the coronavirus and how that's affecting small businesses. So it was a really fun conversation. It was a little bit lighthearted. Uh, we joked around quite a bit. So, you know, if you like something that's a little bit um, unscripted, uh, but great quality, I hope you have a chance to listen in. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doing the Thing podcast um, on a bright and sunny and Probably going to be very hot Southern California day here. I'm joined as always by my co-host Jason. Jason, how's it going? It's good, man, and it's going to be a nice, warm New Mexico day as well. It's looking to be uh, in the hundreds. Whoa, good day to be inside playing Xbox. You know, it's not a terrible day to do that. Not, <laughs> also, not a terrible day to have a cool discussion with you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. And, you know, we've gotten really positive feedback on the uh, coaching sessions that we've done. And one of the things that we have uh, had some resonance in, and, you know, stepping back for a second, our coaching services are very intentional in helping people explore self-sufficiency strategies. And that can take shape across a number of different vehicles. And we've gotten some feedback. Hey, you guys touched on these potential vehicles and the upsides and downsides of each, um, but we'd love to know more. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Um, And they really fall within four different buckets, if you will. And, you know, we're not advocating one or the other because the reality is you have to choose what's best for you but you want to make an informed decision and really understand, um, you know, the long-term implications and have a strategy in play with contingencies, especially these days. I mean, a year or two younger than me, um, but in your lifespan, have you ever seen more complexity in the marketplace than we see today? No, it's, it's wild. I, I think, uh, I think somebody coined a term that we're in the great unknown age 
right now. You know, you know, the news kind of dominated by, you know, war, gun violence, political strife, you know, all those kinds of things. But on the plus side, we're seeing, you know, technological innovations, you know, more financial vehicles than we've never really seen before. So it's it's really interesting time. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. And in any challenging circumstance, having, you know, been in business in 2008 through 2012, that was a complex time. And what it creates is different opportunities. Um, but what it suggests is you have to be nimble and intelligent in your choices and really be self-reflective about, hey, what's my current circumstance? What are the risks I'm facing? And what should I be considering to hedge against potential concerns and also leverage those new possibilities that arise? And you're exactly right. Everything from funding to real estate to staff, um, those potentials are opening up. Um, so we want to ask ourselves, how can those things be vehicles for us to achieve what we want to achieve, right? Exactly. Yeah. How do you leverage it? How do you control the uncontrollable? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. So, you know, again, we're going to focus in on vehicles for success and we're going to start with the job market. Um, even though it may sound contrary to what Jason and I do, it's actually not to say the job market is right for some people and we need employees and companies need employees. And for some people, it's the right fit for them, right? And especially if you've gone through higher education, if you have a specialized trade, you have a little bit higher level of potential security than perhaps other roles may have. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Jason? I think you're absolutely right. I think, um... You know, I would never shame somebody that chooses employment over entrepreneurship because not everybody um, has those types of goals and not everybody is comfortable in those types of roles or being on their own. Or, you know, even if you're in something that you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself, you know, that's not always appealing to some people. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we do need those employee minded people. If everybody was an entrepreneur, I don't think we'd get anything done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's important um, if job market thinking resonates for anyone listening, it is important to take stock of what's going on right now. Um, you know, we've mentioned in the last episode, Netflix, Tesla, some major companies are going through some shifts and changes. The world of merger acquisition is as robust as I've ever seen it. Um, and so I think you have to stop and first take stock and say, you know, how vital am I to the organization I'm with? Then you have to say, what's my relationship with my immediate supervisor and how am I perceived? And then you have to look at the shifting sands of your company and say to yourself, are we performing in a way that's sustainable? Are there cost cutting conversations happening? Are other staff members being looked at? Have there been layoffs or resignations? And reading those tea leaves can tell you whether or not a change may be necessary. The challenge with the job market has always been for me, and I love being an entrepreneur and being in control of my own destiny, but that's how I'm driven. And those who are driven that way can have a difficult time when their career finances and future are more or less controlled by other other people, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was actually 
I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick story if that's okay. So I was having, um, you know, having, you know, some beers with a colleague. Um, he was, uh, he's an air force veteran, uh, 10 years, he served 10 years and, uh, you know, he's very, very successful entrepreneur. And he realized, you know, he loved the air force. He loved, you know, you know, service to his country and things like that, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, receiving the uh, feedback based off of what he's worth and what he can actually do and provide. And so, you know, he initially joined to become a lifer, so to speak, and do that 20 year retirement. But he realized, you know, that 20 year retirement, maybe that will give me 2,500 bucks a month or 3000 bucks a month or whatever for my life. But, you know, I can do better than that. I could do more than that. I, you know, I'm worth more than that. And it was a really interesting conversation. I think it kind of relates to a little bit of what we're talking about here today. Yeah, and yeah, I think it certainly does. And I'm going to go on the other side of that equation and um, share a story without getting into the specifics of it. But I think it's relevant. Um, and I'll draw the analogy of, you know, dental hygiene, of all things. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> so let me walk through it. Um, there are people who are very proactive about, you know, brushing their teeth and flossing and doing all those things we're supposed to do. There are other people that maybe aren't as attentive to that. And they get little signs and, um, you know, signs and cues that maybe something's going on. Maybe it's a little tinge of a nerve. Maybe they ignore that thing. It gets a little worse. Maybe they ignore that thing. And then one day they wind up in the dentist chair with a $800 to $1,200, um, you know, <laughs> a root canal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that thinking has to apply to the job market. And the story I'll share with you is um, someone I've talked to recently is a higher level hospital administration person, and they do a very specialized care analysis. So, you know, you would think that that position would be secure based on education and other things. What ended up happening is they uh, their company is going through an acquisition, larger hospital chain has acquired them. And this person's been told Hey, listen, um, your role's in limbo. Um, there's a lot of replicated roles in the new organization. We're not sure what's going to happen. And the timelines in the next several months, um, by end of year for sure, um, you know, there's going to be a transition. So get ready and get planning for it. And um, on a personal level, you know, as many Americans have, as I have, um, this person has gone through a divorce. Um, so their resources are much more limited than when it was a two-family household. And we had to have the conversation to say, well, listen, this is a tough position. And, you know, having been there myself and knowing many other people that have as well, I have empathy for you. The question becomes, looking at this situation, do you run the risk in the future if you accept the next employment role of a similar set of circumstances happening? And if so, how would that impact you? And shouldn't we be proactively thinking, whether it's next month or next year, how do you get out of those circumstances where, you know, all these things are kind of shifting around you and you're stuck in that quicksand, you know, somebody needs to throw you a limb uh, from a tree and pull you out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 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 you know, building some redundancies too. If, if you're not that full-time entrepreneur, 
fine. But, you know, there's plenty of other vehicles that can kind of pad those circumstances for you. So if you're, you know, investing in the market, you have real estate and things like that, those are all really great vehicles towards wealth and can actually help you between those jobs. Because I think, I think we've mentioned it before, the average person stays in their current role for maybe two to three years before some type of switch happens. Either they get, you know, laid off or they need to switch role because they're not, you know, something's going on that, you know, they don't agree with, you know, there's all sorts of different factors. So having those things, you know, on the side, I think are mandatory. And another thing to that, you know, there are absentee or semi-absentee type businesses that you can do where you have maybe a little bit more control and more decision-making uh, power than something that would be in the market or in real estate. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Diversifying your portfolio. So let's let's talk from a practical sense. You know, you're employed, you've got a steady paycheck for now or into the foreseeable future, you're contributing to a 401k. That 401k right now is going through shifts and twists. And many people that I talk to are saying, yeah, I had to push out my retirement plans because this economic change that we're experiencing has affected my long-term outcomes. And maybe it'll rebound back. And if it does, that'll be great. But I'm already adjusting my thinking. Um, and I think yeah. you kind of have to do that. but. Uh, 401k is really a second revenue stream. It's a uh, reactive investment model. And, you know, shifting over to other reactive investment models, stock market, real estate acquisition. What are your thoughts on those, Jason? Well, I don't know. can you clarify that question a little bit? I'm not sure what you're asking. Yeah, so when you think about First of all, we've established the importance of portfolio diversification, I think. At least we believe that it's important. And I think others would certainly agree. Um, so shifting from a 401k, there are other reactive investment models, such as stock market investments, such as real estate, maybe rental properties, things like that. Um, so what do you see as the upsides and downsides to those? Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, and, and, you know, the upsides to those are, you know, almost unlimited. You know, if you play your cards right, if you watch it closely and, and, and you manage it very well or have somebody else help you manage that. The downside of that is, you know, going full time into those types of things, you know, they're, they're a little bit more risky than your average business or job or things like that because there's, they're volatile. You know, that's the, I think that's the operating term there is they're, they're very volatile. So, so, you know, have, unless you've got, you're, you're born wealthy or you've got, you know, a really great nest egg, you know, doing those types of things full time, you know, could, you know, have some very high upside and very low downside, you know? <laughs> yeah. Look at Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. Um, and those are all things to consider. And if you have a long-term strategy, one that will sustain you through those ups and downs, that can be a good vehicle. Business ownership is really the final vehicle that we're gonna talk about. And that can take shape in a few different ways. Um, number one, certainly you can start up your own business and there's upsides and downsides to that. Secondarily, there are existing businesses that are listed as resales that you can investigate. And certainly there are um, turnkey models in the franchise and business licensing space can be investigated. Um, so from a top line level, first of all, 
you know, compare and contrast your thoughts and then let's banter back and forth on each of those three. Yeah, so the startup business, you know, that's for, I think that's the true entrepreneur right there. That's somebody that wants complete control. They've got the idea, they've got the the experience, and they know exactly what they want to get out of it, and they don't want anybody in the way. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it, but the downside of that is you're by yourself. You know, there pl- sure, there's plenty of organizations out there that, that help entrepreneurs, but you're going to get a... A, a, a wide range of feedback on that because everyone's going to be different. It's not under one roof. It's not under one organization. Uh, plus your, you know, your R and D and all the stuff to kind of help diversify you from the competition. That's all on you. Um, yeah. On the on, on the resale side, you know, you're 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 also inheriting the issues that have been going on in that business that might not be. Um, visible on the surface level when you're examining it. Um, obviously, there could be a great upside on that. It's already there. It's already has a great presence in the community. You know, if you need to rehab it, it's a little bit easier to rehab it and kind of get it up and running. Downside, you know, you're just like I said, you know, you're you're inheriting other issues. <laughs> mm. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah. yeah, potentially, potentially. And and on the franchise licensing side, you know, a lot of people like having the system and process in front of them and having, you know, the support of a franchisor and stuff like that. And then, and then also on the downside, a lot of people like don't like the idea of having a contract or, or, or not having the exact flexibility that they they feel that they need in their business because maybe they want to do something that's outside of the system that doesn't necessarily jive what a franchisor wants to do. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. Having been a startup entrepreneur, um, I started a medical diagnostic representational firm literally out of my garage with a desk in the garage and built it from, (laughs) built it up to where not only did I have uh, referral agents around the United States, I was doing work in Scandinavia and Europe. And it was a really exciting time until, and I, you know, it took a period of four to six years to build to that level. But when the Affordable Care Act began to be negotiated, and I'm not taking a stand on either side of the Affordable Care Act, um, but what I will say is that the uncertainties in the market um, based on those potential changes really dried up the business for a, a long period of time. Um, because the equipment I sold, doctors used and then billed for under CPT codes to insurance companies. And when the value of that CPT reimbursement is in question, then the investment into that capital equipment can't be quantified. And that's what ended up happening. And as a solopreneur or solo entrepreneur, I didn't have the resources in my company, first of all, to be ahead of the shifts and changes to understand, you know, how that might affect the business. I didn't have peers I could call and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing in ACA. How, what, do you, you know, what are your thoughts? Um, and it ended up that the business, you know, I ended up divesting the business because it wouldn't have been sustainable. Um, on the resale side of the equation, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, if, if there's goodwill established, if it's not goodwill to the owner um, that's selling it, but instead to the business, that's a wonderful scenario. Um, but 
Sometimes you run into situations where there's not full disclosure on financial performance. You've got to be really, really careful to get all the data before you make a move like that. There are some benefits to it because it does have a track record that is established, assuming you're getting good data on that. Um, and on the franchise side of the equation, what I've really valued is not just the, let's call it a corporate infrastructure, the, the organization itself, having a value proposition that has worked in the marketplace and has been repeatable, um, the support that the organization provides and the investment into the brand's growth becomes a really important consideration. The demographic studies where they can say, listen, this will work in this market and this is why we know um, that it'll work in this market. The, the fact that they have federally audited disclosures that share with you all possible important aspects of that business before you decide to be involved in it, you get insights into all of that. Whereas a startup, there's a huge element of risk. That's why the failure rates in startups are 50 to 90%, depending on industry. Success rates conversely in the franchising world can be 90% and above. Um, so I think all that's compelling. I agree. I agree. It, all very good points. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, everyone's different and, and you have to do your diligence and, and, and really, you know, learn about things and, and examine them in, in a good environment, you know, not necessarily a, uh, environment with like a broker or something like that, but maybe, you know, you know, somebody that's been there, done that, a mentor, a coach, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot to learn. And, you know, I always chuckle sometimes when I meet with new uh, potential clients, they'll say, well, you know, I want to run a multi-million dollar business. I'm like, that's super cool. And many, many businesses, every business may have that potential. <laughs> but don't you think that there's more to it than top line revenue? Don't, don't you want to learn about value in the market, competitive landscape, um, how other people have grown and scaled? Um, what your particular market looks like, you know, there's a lot to understand. And when you have people that are open-minded to go through that learning, having a good guide to bounce things off of um, is valuable to your point. Yeah. And, and also you have to examine why you want that million dollar business and, and understand what it takes to have a big business. You know, not a lot of businesses that you do on your own, can really make that kind of income. Certainly there's some potential in, in a lot of solopreneur type businesses to do that, but primarily those types of businesses require a team and employees. And if that's not something that's very appealing to you, you know, you know, you got to kind of take an assessment of that and, and inventory it and see, you know, what makes the most sense for you and your goals. Yeah. And, you know, Bringing this to a close, it's been a great conversation and thank you for all the insights you shared. Um, what our message is, is consider your options, consider all the vehicles, be realistic in that assessment. If you're in the job market, be aware of the shifting sands in that climate and how they might affect you. Consider diversifying your portfolio. And there's a number of ways to do that, including business ownership. And for those who are asking meaningful questions and looking for meaningful change, um, there's a lot in the world to explore and there are always options. Sometimes it feels like there aren't, but there always are. It's thousands, thousands <laughs> of options. Yep, indeed. A great conversation, Jason, as always. I really enjoyed this and I hope our listeners do as well. 
those of you who joined us, if you like this, please share it. If you got something from it, um, you know, pop in a comment and let us know. If there's topics you'd like us to cover or maybe get deeper into this one, we'd love to hear from you. Awesome, my friend. Thank you so much. All right. Catch y'all later. Have a good week.